Apple presents events at the Apple Store. Let's take a look at the trailer for Rush. There's a lie that all drivers tell themselves. Death is something that happens to other people. That's how you find the courage to get in the car in the first place. But more powerful than fear itself is the will to win. Who's that? It's Nicky Lauda. He's just been signed by Ferrari. The showdown between you and Nicky is all anyone wants to see. Safer. The risk of death turns people on. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this afternoon's guest moderator, Josh Horowitz, and today's guests, Chris Hemsworth, Daniel Bruhl, and Peter Morgan. That's a pretty good crowd. That's a pretty good crowd. Yeah, thank you for coming. Thanks for coming out, guys. Uh, Rush is the film. Uh, these are the two stars and the great screenwriter behind it. Uh, I've had a chance Sorry. to see this one. This is an, an awesome piece of work. Congratulations, guys. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Um, so, okay, you've just seen the trailer. You guys all have a sense of what this story is about. Uh, I have a feeling that this is a story that's more familiar offhand to audiences outside of the, the States. I mean, F1 has, has made leaps and bounds here uh, in the recent years, but how... How much do people outside of the United States know the story of Nicky Lauda and James Hunt? Well, I, probably people, not many people know, but the themes behind what, you know, what the movie's about, about two people willing to uh, risk their lives. In the 1970s, 20 people would start every season in Formula One, and commonly, two people would die. So these are combat statistics, and uh, this one particular season in 1976 was particularly focused on the rivalry between these two men, James Hunt and Nicky Lauda, who had very different ways of uh, achieving excellence within the sport and, and cheating death. And they, you know, one of them, played by Chris, he was uh, a guy will, you know, willing to go to the flat out on the edge all the time. Nicky Lauda, played by Daniel, uh, was a much more calculating guy who figured that the more sober and prepared he was, the better he, chance he had of staying alive. Chris, is this the first time you've played a actual living, breathing human being that's, that's been on this <laughs> earth? Because <laughs> I think I don't, I don't recall Thor actually walking our, our plane of existence at any point. Uh, he did in Avengers, but uh, most of the this time he's up that way. That is true. This is the first time not wearing a cape. And uh, it was uh, refreshing. Although my outfit was red, so there was a somewhat familiarity. It, it did strike me that in your, in your relatively young film career in the, in the States, you've gone from like a, what a Starfleet uniform to Norse god. Uh-huh. To what? Whatever the Huntsman wore, a lot of leather, leather, clad, dirt. You're, you're oh. getting, Woo! you're getting, <laughs> you're getting closer. A lot of fans of leather out there. Good. Good. 
you're getting closer to actual civilian wear. Yeah, I'm working my way in. This was a, a red jumpsuit for most of the time, which was uh, comfortable. But uh, it was refreshing to play, uh, as, you know, a real-life person, absolutely, and something that was uh, character-driven and as intimate as this was and focused absolutely on... Uh, these two human beings and regardless of it being a, a Formula One racing uh, backdrop it was uh, about two fascinating people and came at the sport as Peter said from two different directions and um, that's, that's been the feedback because it's not just a film for Formula One fans or people you know it, it's an absolute character drama and uh, with the just happens to have this this thrilling backdrop. Uh, Daniel's performance in this, for, you guys are going to be blown away by his, uh, his performance as Nicky Lauda. It's, it's remarkable, it truly is. Uh, Thank you. And, and it's even more remarkable when you see the real Nicky Lauda in tape, or he's, he's still with us today, and, and how much you captured the man. Did you look at that as, as a, with dread, as a challenge, in terms of that, there is tape of this man. This man walks the earth. You have to kind of live up to what he is and, and was in years past. Well, it was a dread at first. It was quite frightening because he's as blunt and undiplomatic uh, as in the movie. So uh, first time he called me uh, at 6 o'clock in the morning, he said, I guess we have to meet now. And I said, uh, <laughs> yes, Nicky, that'd be great. And he said, well, just bring hand luggage to Vienna in case we don't like each other. You can piss off right away. <laughs> so, so I was uh, extremely happy and relieved when I realized that he actually likes me and he, he likes the idea of, 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 of me playing him. And then from that moment on, it became much easier for me because he gave me information that I couldn't have, you know, gotten anywhere else. And uh, he was very supportive all the way through. Was there, was there a turning point for each of you gentlemen in terms of when you kind of keyed into like what your take was going to be on the character, as it were, the real guy, as it were? Was it something, I mean, obviously the voice, each of you has to affect a different kind of accent in this. Uh, give me a sense of sort of what the key hurdle you had to get over before getting on set was. I mean, I think we both had the same anxiety of playing these, these two icons. And, and uh, you know, there were a lot of opinions and, and variations about who these guys were, but also how we should play them. And um, I think we both adopted the attitude these guys had and the, the common trait, which is the absolute honesty they live with and the way that they did things their way and disregarded the vast and exterior opinions out there and just sort of uh, put their head down and, and went for it. And that's uh, something I certainly tapped into because at the beginning I made the mistake of going to this pre-kickoff party for the film, which had a whole lot of race car drivers and, and people who knew James and Nicky and... And it was a tough thing to walk into because every one of them had a different version of who, who, it, who it, how the character should be played, what they did, what they didn't do, how much I was unlike or like. And, and uh, as I said, then we just had to kind of go, okay, what's, what's our truthful version of this story? Peter, uh, could you talk a little bit about, like, I mean, uh, for those that don't know, Peter is, is the brands behind uh, Frost Nixon, The Queen, uh, some of the uh, great plays and films in recent years. Yes. Um, uh, and much of your work, including the ones I just mentioned, revolve around this key relationship, this, this rivalry or antagonism, this grudging friendship. Is that something that you keyed into when, because many different stories probably could have been written about these two gentlemen and this era in, in Formula One. Was it that relationship? Was that the turning point for you in terms of what the story was going to be? Yeah, I, I know Nicky uh, a little bit in Vienna and uh, a lot of people have asked him you know, to do the story of his life. And I, because I'm English, um, you know, I wanted to do it about his relationship with an Englishman. I felt that I could write that very well. I also, you know, uh, I also, as a child, 
Uh, I, James Hunt was, was a hero, an absolute hero for anybody growing up in London, my age. We all, James Hunt, he was a god. And, um, and so when I mentioned it to Nicky, he loved it because the, you know, he, didn't, he doesn't really have a lot of time for people. Nicky doesn't have many friends. Um, you know, and he said the rest of them were assholes. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but he had a real soft spot for James and he loved the idea of doing the story about their particular rivalry and their particular friendship. And, and you know, with men, particularly competitive athletes like this, you know, rivalry is a way of expressing friendship. And you, you're not a rival with someone that you don't uh, admire or respect. So actually sometimes men express their affection or, 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 or indeed love for one another through this intense competition. And you know, uh, that, that's, that's what I tried to write. That's why you see all this tension on stage, four men sitting together. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of rage. Angst. Look at the body language. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's take a, a look. We have a few clips we want to show you guys, and we're going to take some of your questions in a little bit. This is, uh, this is about that burgeoning rivalry, I believe, uh, before the Brazilian race. Welcome to Sao Paulo, Brazil, and the Interlagos circuit for the first race in the 1976 Formula One season, where the main news is that James Hunt has qualified fastest, beating Niki Lauda's Ferrari to pole position by just two hundredths of a second. New car. I noticed. Pole position. I noticed that too. Level playing field now, my ratty little friend. Yeah. Let's see where we are after lap one. Let's see where we are in five races time. <laughs> Hunt has the pit lane pole position, which should give him the best chance of outdragging Lauda's Ferrari. If ever there was a doubt about whether Lauda had a serious challenger to this season, Hunt and his McLaren have certainly given us the answer. Keep those shades. Do you still have the shades anywhere? Sunglasses? I think we did, didn't we? I, I stole a lot of that wardrobe, including that red jumpsuit. Do you enjoy the, the, the 70s? Because this is very much a film rooted in yeah. that time period, and that's, that's very integral to the, the vibe of the film. Uh, enjoy, enjoyable to kind of like revel in the wardrobe and the styles? Of sure. I mean, I wasn't there, obviously, so it was nice to go back in time and, and throw yourself in it and plenty of flares and popped collars and open shirts. And <laughs> Would have loved to keep the race suit. That was kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. All the cars. The cars were worth... They'd... Um, they had, re had replicas of the cars we had, but also uh, cars from that period that, that were two or three million pounds worth. And they panicked when we approached them, yeah. you know. They were more, more concerned, concerned about the cars. <laughs> yeah. How important is it to be a decent or good driver when playing a world-class driver in a film like this? <laughs> well, it, it, it wasn't part of the audition <laughs> process, uh, thankfully. Uh, but we did about a four-week boot camp and ended up doing a whole lot of driving in the film. And Ron would mount cameras all over the car and, you know, helmets in the visor, which would, you know, have, have close-ups of our pupils dilating. And, you know, and uh, it was intense. There was a combination of that with the archive footage and the precision drivers. But I had an accident in my Ferrari. Wow. And in my paranoid German brain, I still think it was Chris who had, you know, because a wheel came off and I made a spin. I, really, it was I was seen tightening the wheel before he went out, so I don't know how it came off. Huh, curious. So. Let's go to the videotape. No. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Ron Howard is, is the genius behind this film, a great filmmaker. I've never heard a bad word. Yes, I've never heard a bad word uh, uttered about Ron Howard. Uh, you're working with him again. Uh, Peter's worked with him a few times. Uh, give me a sense of what it is that Ron Howard brings to a film set, and specifically this, this kind of a film. Um, 
I mean, everything you've heard, he is just the sweetest guy in the world, but one of the hardest working filmmakers out there. And if you look at the lineup of films he's done and the genres he's covered and with such integrity and detail and uh, authenticity and, and that, you know, he talked about this being similar to his Apollo 13 experience with the same kind of anxiety about, uh, you know, the, the NASA space community, uh, you know, how they would respond to it. And the Formula One world was... a uh, you know, standing ovation and, and couldn't have and have given it a better salute. Um, but right across the board into your average film goer or your film critics, there's been such an affection for it. And I think it just, it, it speaks volumes about what Ron is able to do and cover such a broad audience. One of the great things, I think, just from like a, a, like a film fan's perspective and looking at the business today, um, this, is, this is not a $300 million movie. Uh, this, is, this is that kind of mid-range adult drama. It's got, it's got a lot going for it, but it's a, it's, the, it's a hard film. We don't see many films of this type at this budget range nowadays. Is that something, I mean, this is your bread and butter. This is the kind of thing that you've made your living on, Peter, is, and you're a producer on this as well. Was this a tougher than normal endeavor despite... Chris's star power, despite having Ron at the helm, was this a tough film to kind of mount? Well, uh, Formula One has a big international following, and so I think people felt that internationally, you know, and I think one of the things that's changed in the film landscape at the moment is that it's not just North America's box office that really contributes to a film. I mean, we're, we're here in North America today, and we very much hope the film will play a huge part in the market here, but. Uh, internationally, there are many, many territories for which Formula One resonates and, f and where the names Nicky Lauder and James Hunt are well known. And you guys have been racking up crazy frequent flyer miles. Where have you been in literally in the last few days? You've been everywhere, right? Where haven't we been? Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> Is the reception differently, Can, different in different places? Can you tell? No, it's been amazing everywhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Toronto, especially. I mean, the premiere in Toronto was, for me, um, probably the most beautiful I ever had because Nicky showed up. It was a surprise. He came straight from Monza, from the Formula One race in Italy, came with his private jet, you know, and, and we had a very emotional moment, Chris and I, because we were about to go on stage, and we both love the moment when the real guys appear at the end. <coughs> so we saw them, you know, hugged each other, did we? Yeah, we hugged well, each we other. shook hands from a distance. <laughs> <laughs> More of a high five kind of thing. You waved And then all far. of a sudden, yeah. somebody was tapping our shoulder, and we turned around, and there he was. Uh, yeah, shit fled from Italy nine hours, so what's going on? And <laughs> I said, yeah, Nikki, the atmosphere is amazing in the theater. You should see it. And he said, yeah, yeah, I'll stop it, stop it. But it's, when he came on stage, it was just incredible. Standing ovations is... One of the most satisfying things is, uh, has just been that, you know, the... The, the fact that people are surprised of what it is, you know, the, the assumption it's not just a race movie and that, um, you know, and especially in Toronto, the, the sort of applause they've gotten. I, I, th I think people think it's going to be like just, an, uh, you know, a car racing movie. Right. You know, the fact is the pedigree of the people involved, you know, Ron Howard is a multiple Oscar winner. Um, Hans Zimmer, who did the music, a multiple Oscar winner. Uh, Anthony Dodd Mantle, who's the cinema photographer, cinematographer, he did Slumdog Millionaire, you know, 127 hours, you know, a lot of, I mean, the team right the way through, the makeup guy, he did the makeup for the Iron Lady, the Margaret Thatcher movie, so he's, he's, he's the most recent Oscar winner, you know, there are, there are Oscar winners all the way through, and, and yet, when you look at it, you sort of think, is this just a racing movie, but in fact, you know, it, 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 this attracted a very blue chip crowd. You yeah, know? and it hits you by the end. I mean, it's a, forgive the cliche, but it is a great ride up until the end. And by the end, though, it, it packs that kind of emotional wallop thanks to the the, the relationship between you, you two gentlemen. Um, it's every time you do Nikki Lauda, your the voice is so amazing. Are you a natural mimic? Have you always? <laughs> no, no, no. In fact, no, not at all. It's 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 difficult to get the accent right because I'm German and. Uh, 
the Austrian accent is so different and it sounded quite funny at, 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 at the beginning. So I had to work on it for a month in Vienna. But I said to Ron, he couldn't hear it at first, but I said, you know, that Austrian adds that extra portion of arrogance, cockiness, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and irony. And the Austrians are funnier than us Germans, which is not that difficult, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, I wanted to, to get this right. So I'm very glad if you say it's, that. It's, it's wonderful. Okay, let's take a look at another clip from the film and uh, we're getting closer to your questions, guys. This is, I believe, like, a little bit more of the rivalry while you guys are signing some autographs. Hi, Francis in. How's it going so far? It's fine. Just got a little problem with an Austrian rat and his team of Italian cheats who've destroyed my car. What are you talking about? Talking about the race in Spain that I won. Yeah, in a car, which is not legal. Five eighths of an inch too wide. You know that doesn't have the slightest effect on speed. But you complained and your team of lawyers leaned on the authorities. Now we've had to rebuild the car and it's become a monster. At least it's a legal monster. So you've had to resort to cheating. You're driving an illegal car and call me the cheat? It's pathetic. Rules are rules. Yes. And rats are rats. Thank you. Thank you. Do you really think it upsets me, James? Calling me a rat because I look like one? I don't mind it. Rats are ugly, sure, and nobody likes them. But they're very intelligent and they have a strong survival instinct. Wonderful. Let's talk a little bit about how you guys uh, came to this. I, as I understand it, I think you were in the middle of, of Avengers at the time. And this is, this is honestly, this is a, a great key role for you in your career because, you know, we've seen you in these big franchise things. And as I said, you're playing a real life uh, a man here. Uh, you chased after this. Real life man. <laughs> a real He's a real life, life man, yeah. 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 Um, but you chased after this. Why? I mean, and what did you go through to, because uh, you couldn't audition in person, as I understand it, right? Uh, yeah, I, I had met Ron a couple of times and, and uh, and he had seen Thor, and you know, it, it was uh, was uh, you know liked what he saw, but it wasn't really going to go any further unless I did something about it. And um, I love this script, you know, it it, uh, it was two fascinating characters, and and there was something about James in amongst the cockiness and bravado. There was a intense kind of vulnerability and frustration. Um, so I just decided to put down an audition tape, and which my wife filmed for me, and. 15 takes later of her going, nah, that's, that's no good. Nah, that, that's worse. Nah, again. Eventually got something which I sent in to Ron and, and uh, thankfully he responded. And uh, yeah. I, I, I got to jump in here because James Hunt, I don't, I, any of you who don't know, but James Hunt was this unbelievably untypical Englishman in, in that he had blonde hair, he had, got, had a tan, he was athletic, he had a swagger. He... <laughs> He was that rarest of rare things. He was a sexy Englishman. And, <laughs> and uh, when we came to try and cast the film, we couldn't find anybody in England handsome enough to play an Englishman. And, and Ron Howard and I were like, what are we going to do? We, we, we've met every English actor. And, and, it, it, you know, and then suddenly this audition tape came from Chris. He just sent it in and we looked at it and went, it's James Hunt. <laughs> and, and at the end of the film, uh, the real life characters, I don't want to give it away, I want you all to go to the film if possible, but at the end of the film, the real life characters that make a, you know, we, we cut in some of the archive footage and it is breathtaking. The similarity between both, you know, Chris and James Hunt and, Nick, uh, and, and Daniel and Nicky Lauda and without these two actors being as astonishing as they are in the film, we would never have ha earned the right to cut in the real-life footage. And by cutting in the real-life footage, it is so moving and emotional. 
and it's only possible because these two do the amazing work that they do. So it's, it's breathtaking. I also heard that, uh, Chris, you demanded the nude scenes. You wanted to take off your clothes for this. That was, in, that was integral to you? Yeah, I said no pants. For, for, for <laughs> it's a strange the choice, the whole half of the movie. Yeah, no yeah, pants. Yeah, Weird. Yeah. It's a body double. <laughs> it's Daniel us, though. It's a body <laughs> double. It's his bum. That's teamwork. That's beautiful. In the back of my head. Uh, let's go out to the audience. I think there, I'm sure there are a ton of questions here. Uh, hi. Uh, all the reviews I've seen so far have been great, and a lot of them say that uh, Chris and Daniel, your performances were award-worthy. And I was just wondering, how does that make you feel? <laughs> and how does that compare to uh, the reward you get from just fans loving your movie as opposed to the critical praise? Uh, I, uh, I mean, you know, the, the, the people going to see the movie and the fans are the far and vast majority of, of who you want to, uh, you know, be appreciated by, you know. Um, and in you know with with this film the experience i had and what i learned from this character and working with these guys was unlike anything i've ever had and it was just such an opportunity and beyond that you know the reviews and what have you is just it's just a bonus and and it's you know it's a great pat on the back but it it really is about the experience i had shooting this movie which is i'll always hold close to me can I just answer that as well? It's, it's partly because I think what's happened, I don't know quite how this has happened, but it seems that the movie calendar at the moment is divided between the summer, where people have blockbusters, and uh, which are driven towards marketing, you know, and, 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 the, and, the, and the fall, the late part of the year, where people have awards films which are generally small. And, and the idea that you can make a commercial movie with a bunch of people that normally only make awards-driven movies seems to be a revolutionary. The idea that a commercial, that a popular entertainment can also be awards-worthy and, and attracting high, high, high critical attention uh, seems to be an old-fashioned idea somehow, you know, but, uh, but we're, you know, we're very proud of it. Uh, hi, guys. Um, so I actually saw the film last week at a screening, and it was absolutely fantastic, so congratulations to all of you. Um, so I've seen interviews with the real Nicky Lauda and James Hunt, and I was just so blown away by how well you guys captured their mannerisms. Everything from the accents to the tightly clenched lip of Nicky Lauda to uh, just the way you carried yourselves. And I'm just curious how that process was of getting into those characters. Well, um, I, me, I started... I. Um I went to this audition in London with Ron and Peter, and uh, I was quite relaxed because I thought they will never offer that part to me because Nikki's so different. And so, I, you know, I wanted to fight for it because I loved the script, but I thought, nah. It went well. Um, normally, they let you wait and suffer for two weeks, and then they call you and say, it was awesome, but somebody else is going to play it. <laughs> so in and, and this case, I was on a motorway in Spain driving with my girlfriend. I was overtaking trucks, and she was screaming at me, you're a bad driver. You're not a rally driver. Stay behind the truck. And then I got a call from London that I was offered the part. So it was huge excitement at first, but then the second later, I, I, I panicked, and I thought, okay, shit, what, 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 now I'm going <laughs> to have to play this guy. So the first thing I did is a Formula 3 course to get some experience um, in a race car, you know, which was crucial to me, you know, to once have you know experienced that and we did much more with 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 Chris and then uh, as I said before I went to Vienna for over a month to understand the Austrian mentality and to get the accent right and I studied 
tons of material that Ron had delivered, uh, like the biography, but also uh, YouTube clips of Niki Lauda giving interviews. So I studied his body language and, and, and his accent. And then again, uh, the most important thing was meeting Niki. And I was very happy that he was willing to answer me any question. And we were talking about very sensitive stuff. So uh, about death and fear and overcoming fear. And, uh, and I was just thankful that he was, you know, willing to, um, to give me all the information and then slowly step by step I, I understood this guy you know um, almost <laughs> there's still some things that you can never understand if you ha haven't experienced them but uh, and then I guess it's like like um, like Chris and I talked a lot about it to find the right balance in you know getting certain things right but also having the freedom of uh, creating a character and interpreting the character your way you know so how you doing guys I've actually seen the movie twice, <laughs> and it's amazing. I like. I'm gonna keep seeing it again because it's such. It's like the greatest movie I've seen this year. Keep saying that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen to that guy. Yes. Go see it. It's way more than a race movie. It's amazing. Um, one thing that stuck with me from the movie was when uh, Nikki says, "A wise man gains more from his enemy than a fool of his friends," and that like blew my mind. Um, my question is, um, what did you guys learn from playing these iconic roles, like from from them as a person? Um, I mean, for me, it was the, and I sort of said this before a bit, but it, the, the honesty, you know, that, that, um, that uh, you know, and with, you, there's always so many opinions, and but these guys didn't conform to any standard and, and didn't sort of uh, uh, fall into any category and dress up for sponsors and do the thing. That they were absolutely true to themselves and and did it their way, and that was incredibly refreshing and a reminder of you know, to to head in that direction you know um i mean there was something about james for me that that everyone talked about with such affection and was charismatic and you know the playboy and what have you but you can't play that emotion you know what what, what what's under that what is really attractive about him was that uh, there was a vulnerability there and and it's accessible and i think in amongst the the the, the larger aspects of his personality there there was a uh frustration and insecurity and and that was something that um, always stuck out to me and, and sort of interests me with him. How's it going, guys? Um, I had a question about acting. I was wondering if there was something you guys found acting-wise that you might be able to use for future parts, maybe something that surprised you about the character that you could use for developing a future character. Well, definitely. I mean, Nikki taught me one lesson, and that was, you know, to be a... Uh, Fearless in the sense that, you know, you shouldn't give too much importance uh, on what other people might think and say about you. And uh, and Nicky is like that. He always ha he had to move on. And after he had that accident and he and and as he says in the movie, he had to live with with a face that frightens people. He had to, you know, be tough and strong, you know, and and not care too much about uh, the reactions in his environment. And that kind of helped me because I I. I I wanted to be loose playing him and being and being f fearless, and uh, um, I, I hope I can uh, um, I can keep that up and and be as as honest, straightforward, and and fearless as Nikki. It's funny, like th these guys, the when their greatest you know uh, races were done, or always it wasn't when it was incredibly safe and they were you know took it easy. It was when they allowed there to be this element of risk and and the same. That was what I took away from it was it being okay to fail and, and throwing it out there and 
10 times, 12 times, and one of them might land. And that's, that's the one you, 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 know, you grab onto. But allowing it to be wrong as well is, I think, the key instead of trying to keep it in a box and aim for one thing. Hi, guys. I'm John. And uh, I have a question. Obviously, you guys play race drivers in this film. I think that's clear. Um, <clears throat> how have you found that after all this driving that the need for speed has bled into your personal driving experiences <laughs> after the film? A slight over-sense of confidence at times, you know. <laughs> um, I've always been pretty... My wife has a heavier foot on the pedal than I do. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah, it was, I mean, in, in, in Germany, we don't have speed limit, you know? We're... <laughs> which... <laughs> Uh, no, no. After making the movie, I learned, you know, I wouldn't be a good race driver. So I'm, I'm, I'm more cautious now. I think I had more respect for the things after doing it. You know, that it's, it's, you very quickly realize that this could go horribly wrong, you know, and, and you kind of go, oh, yeah, look at all this power I've got. And then you go, well, hang on, do I want this, you know? I, I've driven with uh, Nicky per personally, you know. So, so at, uh, in Vienna, he would give me a lift home, and he's a very, very conservative driver. But as part of his sponsorship, he ends up, he gets a Mercedes with a huge engine the size of a 747, and he drives it, uh, you know, he drives it like a Prius. And, uh, and I said to him, why the hell are you so boring? He says, why, no one's paying me? Why should I risk my life? And, uh, you know, we get there really slowly. Other people, walking grandmothers are overtaking us. You know. Okay, hi. Um, um, yeah, everyone's asking all sophisticated questions about the film and acting and stuff, but I just want you to use your best um, American accent because I like the way it sounds. And could you say... Um, <laughs> uh, you know... Um, <laughs> uh, it's funny you should ask. Um, I'll tell you something about Ron, right, who, who has a... Um, a very diplomatic way of saying no, like he's the nicest guy in the world, and, and you'll make a suggestion and say, oh, Ron, you know, I was thinking we could do this with the scene, and then this could happen, and, and he'll go, yeah, you, you know, that's a good idea, Chris, you know, I'll think about it, but maybe, uh, yeah, and, and uh, yeah, may maybe, which means absolutely not. Um, but he, <laughs> you know, we, we talked about one of the sex scenes once, and he, and he said, yeah, you know, maybe, uh, you know, you could be a missionary and then, um, you know, uh, put your hand here. And I thought, oh, you know, this is this is this is this is the strangest moment in my life. Me, me and Ron Howard discussing sex and how it's going to look on screen. You know? I knew we'd have a great panel today. I didn't know we'd have two Nikki Laudas and one Ron Howard, though, on the stage <laughs> as well. Uh, thanks for your great questions here today, guys. Go see Rush. This is honestly a special film. Uh, thanks to Peter Morgan, Daniel Brühl and Chris Hemsworth. Thanks, guys.